is the show where Eskimos fans get all things green and gold from the man who calls the shots. We're just ready to lace it up and go out there and hit somebody and uh, play physical, disciplined football. This is where one empire gets insight you can't get anywhere else. This is the Eskimos Coaches Show with Jason Moss. Brought to you by Missioner Allen Auctioneering, Canada's largest public automotive and RV auction. Now, with Eskimos head coach Jason Moss, Morley Scott on Eskimos Radio, 630 Chad. And Riley keeps the ball and throws to the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimos! Darius Bowman takes the first pie out of the oven. Riley drops back, steps up to the pocket, and unloads down the field, and that is complete. Brandon Zilstra is going to the house. Touchdown, Eskimos. What a bomb. 78 yards to Brandon Zilstra. Touchdown, Eskimos. Here's Riley. He's got some pressure coming. Gets it away. Bowman's got it at the 10-5, and into the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimos. A Darius Bowman's got a pair. In a season that has been up and down all season long, the Eskimos are certainly up right now. Four straight wins for the Eskimos. This one, 29-20 over the Calgary Stampeders. Oh, what a ride it's been this season for the Eskimos in the Canadian Football League. Seven one way, six the other way. Now four straight wins for the Eskimos uh, right now. With that win on Saturday night, uh, an extremely interesting weekend is coming up to wrap up the Canadian Football League regular season. Second place and a home game still alive. So is fourth place in the crossover. It all gets decided Friday night in Calgary when the Bombers play the Stampeders. Then Saturday night in Regina, the Eskimos and the Riders. 5 p.m. start time, 3.30 for the countdown to kickoff here on 6.30. Ched, we uh, welcome in the head coach of the Edmonton Eskimos, uh, Jason Moss. How are you, Jason? Doing great, thanks. Tell me about the win. I mean... Uh, your first win as a coach over Calgary. You played a lot of years here, and all your your focus was on beating Calgary. How is it to beat them as a as a coach finally? Uh, obviously, it's a great feeling to to finally come through uh, for our team, our organization. We've worked hard to get to this point this year, and uh, obviously, it's been five games uh, that we've been here together, and and haven't gotten over the hump. So it was nice to finally do that in our building, um, a place where we've fought them hard twice. Uh, two other times and not one so to kind of do that again and, and finally get over the hump uh, was a great feeling after the game. A lot of things went right in that game. You, all facets of the game really had their moments to shine. Yeah, no question. I and mean, we say going in, when you play a Calgary team, you know, you can't hurt yourselves. They don't usually, they generally don't hurt themselves so you got to play disciplined uh, football um, penalty wise, which we won the turn, uh, penalty battle. We lost the turnover battle, but um, but making plays throughout the game, we didn't give up any big plays. Um, our special teams made a big play, made two two huge plays in the kicking game. Our return game was better than theirs, um, you know. And then we made some spectacular uh, catches and throws, and um, made the most of a lot of situations in that game, which ultimately led us to victory. I asked you this going in last week. I'll, uh, I'll ask you coming out of the win. Is it more important because of the situation you're in? Um, you're gonna have to. If you stay in the West, you're gonna have to go through Calgary. If you go to the East, you're probably gonna have to play Calgary in the Great Cup. Possibly you hadn't beat them for a couple of years. All that wrapped up together. Does it make it a bigger win than most? Yeah, I mean, at, at the end of the day, you don't want to lose to anybody, but particularly when someone has your number, and if you haven't beat them for a while, you kind of always feel like, "Geez, when's the next time we're going to do mm-hmm. this?" I know nothing. Nothing in the past generally helps you for for the present game, 
but still, it's, it's those feelings of confidence when you go into a game, you go on to the step on the field against somebody. When you've beat them before, you kind of know that you can already do it. So obviously, if we play them in two weeks or three weeks from now and in the out, coming out of the West, or we happen to play them if we're the crossover team playing them in the Grey Cup, you know, we'll have confidence in that game uh, regardless. You even want a challenge first time in a while too, eh? Yeah, it's been, <laughs> absolutely, it's been a while. So uh, very happy, obviously, to win that one. It was a big part of the game uh, to keep the momentum going, get a first down there, a big first down. And mm. ultimately, I believe we went in and scored on that drive. So uh, obviously, it was a big play in the game. I want to talk to you about a, a, a series, a sequence of plays in the third quarter. That I was watching the game this morning, and I thought it kind of typifies the whole game with all sides of the football um, um, contributing. Uh, is in the third quarter. Calgary gets the touchdown. Then you get the big return from Smith on the kickoff. Uh, Bowman then scores his second TD of the game. Then James Tuck with that huge hit on special teams on, on the kickoff return. Uh, you stop messing for a run defensively. Uh, second and 21, Cummings gets the sack and all of a sudden, Maver's punt from his goal line. It was like, to me, that's like the perfect football sequence right there for you. No, it was awesome. I mean, I thought all three phases played extremely well. Our kicking game was spectacular in that game. I know not every uh, punt or kickoff was put perfectly, but they were booted hard. Um, held up there long enough for our cover teams to get down there. Our cover te- units did a great job. But Hugh did, I mean, Hugh pinned them. I think we are they were pinned inside the 20-yard line six, or five of six times or six times. It's around there anyways. And when you play Calgary, generally the field position isn't one. It's it's hard. They have such good punters and kickers, and their returners are generally uh, the last couple of years have been about as dominant as you can be in the CFL. And to, to beat them at their own game uh, was obviously a, a great feeling. Um, and we had great field position all night, so uh, offensively. So it was uh, one of those things where we turned the tide on them a little bit, made them play a, with a long field for most of the night. And, uh, you know, you can see the outcome uh, should be in your favor when that happens. Offensively, you had a really strong night against the best defense in the league numbers-wise. Uh, they weren't – on offense, they were missing some key guys in the receiving core, especially. Ja'Garrett Davis didn't play in the D-line, but they still had two guys who tied for the league lead in sacks. Uh, and your offense moved the ball and put up points on them. Yeah, we've moved the ball. Moving the ball hasn't been a problem against their defense. I think we've, we've, got, we've gained over 400 yards each time we've played them this year. Um, you know, gotten first downs, gotten time of possession, ran a ton of plays. Scoring has been our Achilles heel against them, um, and some short yardage at times, which again reared its, its ugly head. And this one, our only turnover of the game. Um, but we capitalized in the red zone this time, I think two of three times, which the previous time we played them, had we done that, we'd probably win that game going away. So um, for whatever reason, we ma- I think we match up pretty well against them, and, and they are a great defense. They're hard to score against. They're mm-hmm. hard to move the ball against. But I think we do a pretty good job of doing that. It usually just comes down to whether we can make a play play or two in the red zone uh, and make a big play. And again, this game we had the big 78-yard touchdown by Brandon, and then, of course, we go back down and score a couple times in the red zone, which was key. On Wednesday this week, they're going to announce the uh, individual team's MOP nominees. Um, no question Mike Riley is going to be named the MOP for the Eskimos, I believe. In my mind, 
Uh, he's got to be one of the first names you bring up when you talk about MLP for the league. Uh, he leads the league in passing yards. He leads the league in passing TDs. He leads the league in rushing TDs. Come from behind wins have been incredible. The 300 game yard games are there. He runs for first downs when you need him. Uh, it's it's so obvious of a question, but can you just talk about how important he is to the success you've had, not just this year, but in the last five years on this franchise? Yeah, I mean, he's been our fr- franchise here. He's the face of it. That That's what the quarterback is, the face of your franchise, and there's not a better ambassador of your franchise than Mike Riley, if you ask me. I mean, he's he does every interview with um, candidly. He, you know, he's well-dressed on the road. He you know, he cares about the game. He cares about his teammates. Um, he's a professional on and off the field. Um, and he's a great player on top of it. Um, so, you know, he's the full package. He can do everything on the field. But off the field, he's just as good. He's, he's a great guy. And I, I think the teammates around him um, feel fortunate to have him in the locker room, I believe. And he leads them well. But obviously, it's a team game. So the, all the success that Mike's had, I know he's the type of guy that always deflects and tells you how good the other guys are in the room as well. And we do have a great locker room, a great character locker room, and he's he's one of those guys. And so uh, to win an MOP, which I believe he should win it, I'm biased though. Uh, you know that tells speaks volumes of the type of guys we have in our locker room that helped him, hopefully obtain that that. Uh, Status. It's it's the little things too. You touched on some of them, like everything from just being well dressed on the road to. Uh, we see it a lot on road games after the game is over. If there are Eskimo fans in the stands and they catch his attention as he's running off the field, he'll come over, he'll talk to them, he'll sign autographs, he'll take selfies, whatever it is. He just seems that if there's a right move to make, whether it's in a game or on the sidelines or in the public eye, he makes the right move. Well, yeah, and I I just. You know, what typifies him is, you know, during training camp when we have our fan day, he spent about an extra hour and a half on the field when everyone else was gone. I mean, he's that kind of guy. I mean, he does he does all the little things right. Um, He has a great upbringing, has great parents. Um, You know, they, they are very supportive of him and his career. And you can tell that, you know, the love that he's been shown in his household, he gives to everybody he meets. And, um, you know, he, that's what I think everyone lo- loves about him. I mean, he's easy to talk to, he's easy to get along with. He's just a regular guy. He just happens to be a superstar in our league. Um, and obviously, like I said, I can't, you know, think of a better guy to lead our franchise than, than him. Well said. Uh, I just want to bring up a couple of names on defense from the game. Uh, Aaron Grimes. Is is he a more... I I know you didn't coach him last year, uh, but you coached against him for a couple years before that. Is he a more aggressive player now than he was before he went to the NFL? I I would agree with that statement wholeheartedly. I don't know what he learned down there, but I tell you what. I mean, he's spectacular. He's one of the most exciting defensive players I've been around, and it is. It's his tenacity on the defensive side of the ball that you notice, first and foremost. I mean, he's not afraid to make a play. He comes up, he'll smack you in the face. Um, he tackles extremely well. He's very physical for a DB, but he's just I just love his, his charisma and everything he brings, his confidence. Um, the type of guy, he's got a smile on his face every day at practice, and he talks to everybody. Um, but he just has that willingness to just throw his body around, not afraid to make a play. Um, you know, he's he's just picked up what we've tried to do. And this is a different defense than when he played here. So it wasn't very, I mean, it's not the easiest thing to just come onto a team and just start playing again. So he's had to learn. He's playing a new position, Mm -hmm. all those things. But I'll tell you what, (laughs) 
the guy is playing at an extremely high level, and it's fun to watch. And like I said, he's one of my favorite defensive players I've I've watched, and I've only gotten a chance to to be around him for you know four or five games. But you can't help but gravitate towards guys that play the game that way. He plays it the way you're supposed to play it. Yeah, I don't know if it's the new position or the new system, but uh, I think he's been in the backfield more in five games than we saw in three years yeah, before no, when he was I, here. I think that's a little bit of everything. I mean, it's easier to get there from where he's playing now in the boundary. Um, you know, he's obviously very stout against the run. Um, you know, he's that type of player. He's he's an aggressive player. So uh, when you're an aggressive player, boundary half is a place that you can do that and uh, make an impact on the game that way. Being a field half is a little bit harder. You're away from the box. Um, you know, it plays develop a little differently and things like that. But to the boundary, you got to have quick wits. you got to, you know, see it, diagnose it, and hit it. And that kind of describes him to a T, if you ask me. And the other guy I want to ask you about is Philip Hunt. Finally got to do a somersault uh, on uh, yeah. on Saturday night. Uh, it's been a long time coming. I thought he played a real strong game. He did. Uh, Phillips, um, he's, he, I know he hasn't had the year he's wanted to have with the injury setback and kind of fighting his way back and trying to get his feet under him. And, of course, we're rotating our guys here at the end, the last six games. So he's not gotten a chance to be in there every game, but he's making an impact when he does get to play. And um, he's very stout against the run always, and then he's, he's tough at the point of attack. And, you know, that first first that sack he got, I mean, he throws Federkyle on his butt and goes and grabs and wraps up Bo. I mean, it was a pretty impressive play. It was pretty awesome. One of many great plays in the game. Eskimos beat the Stampeders on Saturday. This week, they're in Regina to play the Saskatchewan Roughriders. We'll talk about that game on the Eskimos Coaches Show when we return. It's uh, coming up to 7.48. You're listening to the Eskimos Coaches Show on 6.30 Chet. The Eskimos Coaches Show with Jason Moss. Brought to you by Missioner Allen Auctioneering. We have the selection. You set the price. Now, Morley Scott on Eskimos Radio, 630 Chad. Uh, back with the coach for the next uh, 10 minutes or so here on 630 Chad. Eskimos uh, will be back to practice on Wednesday. They'll be in Regina to play the Rough Riders on Saturday. 5 o'clock kickoff, 3.30 for the countdown to kickoff. Uh, Jason, when you played the Saskatchewan Rough Riders last, it was uh, at the end of August. You lost 54-31. The next week you went to Calgary and lost in the Labor Day game. I'm going to say that those that week, those two games, probably the low point of your season, and since then you've been getting better? Yeah, there's no question if you ask me. I mean, looking at looking back on our season, those are two games that, to me, we didn't have a chance in the fourth quarter to come back. Uh, I think maybe the, the Labor Day game, I think we were still down maybe two scores in the fourth quarter. I don't recall now, but I just know those two games, it seemed you know, we were down early and often, and we were fighting our way just to, to make a game of it the whole game, and uh, just probably our two worst games of the year back to back and since then absolutely I think we've played better and better football uh, we're a much different team I think this time around than the last time we faced Sask I think we're healthier we got guys in the right spots uh, more what we've started the year with right now and more how we envisioned our team at the end of the year so it'll be a it's a great challenge for us going there they're a great team they're hot too uh, but I feel like we stack up much better right now than we did back in August. They're obviously a different team too. Uh, you know, they've added Trent Richardson offensively. They're de- dealing with the two-headed uh, monster at quarterback a little bit. Uh, does that make it tougher to prepare? Maybe question for Mike Benavides more, but you got to prepare for two quarterbacks instead of one. Does it? How much more does that add to the work? Yeah, I mean, it adds to the work week. Obviously, you got to make sure you're, what you're preparing for, you have answers for both of them um, because they will 
have different strengths and weaknesses and um, so there'll probably be similar uh, or different game plans for both um, at the end of the day. There'll be things, I don't know if it's completely different, but there are definitely things that you worry about one from one to the other um, and want to have certain calls for one than, than the other. Uh, the hard part is not knowing how much one's going to play over the other. I mean, if you look at just the history of the last five you weeks, you can't get a read say, on it. Yeah, Brandon Bridge is probably going to play the majority of the game. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what Chris ends up doing at the end of the day, and we'll just have to react to it and be prepared for both. Chris Jones has the reputation of, of with his defense, lots of pressure, doing things differently. How difficult is it to prepare for a Chris Jones defense? It, it's different. Uh, it's difficult. I mean, he he can at one time drop three or drop nine and rush three and do that for a while, and then all of a sudden there comes comes the house, and then you know there's four or five different coverages that are behind his nine man drops at times, and maybe it's only a couple, but it appears to be a different one. So he's got guys that drop in different places. The other thing is he recruits a special athlete to play each yeah. of his positions so you got guys that are long athletic playing every position generally and powerful so he's got not only does he have great schemes he's usually got great players or he searches for the best he can find and uh, when he gets it going on defense which he has right now it's always difficult because of that combination of his his smarts and his schemes uh, with great athletes playing around it so um, it, it'll be a tremendous challenge for our offense um, but, you know, at the end of the day, that's what we get paid for is to scheme against him. And I feel like we have a pretty damn good offense to go against it. Yeah, it's, it's obviously going to be a good match. But I guess you're talking about, you know, he gets the athletes, wants athletes playing defense. And I guess that's why Deron Carter fit in when he when he flips sides for that one game. He's a good athlete, first and foremost, so he can play in that defense. Yeah, I mean, he, he did that. I mean, Keenan, or not Keenan, but, uh, you know, he's had other running backs playing linebacker for him. I mean, he searches. If you can run... He's got a receiver jump, playing defensive end in yeah, AC Leonard, right? You can, <laughs> exactly. If you can run and jump and tackle and, and all that, he can get you right. I mean, he's he's notorious for it. He does a very, very good job of it. Um, you know, I don't ever question anything he does because he's proven over the course of his career coaching up here that it, if he sees something in someone, he'll get it out of them. And uh, he knows what he's looking for. So, you know, as much as people were wondering about Duran, and I was too, I just figured he knew what he was doing. Um, and Duran is a special athlete. So the things that Chris is asking him to do in that defense, he certainly obviously can do it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, well, Reigns to be seeing what else he has up his sleeve, but, uh, you know, we're preparing for what we know of him and uh, what we know of his defense, and, you know, it'll be a good match. I want to ask you about this time of the year. In last game of the regular season coming up, playoffs coming up, it would be an insult to say you work harder at this time of the year because I know you and your crew and your players always are working hard, but what changes in the way you approach things because it's playoff time? Uh, again, you're, you, hit, you hit it right, you said it right. If you're doing anything more now, then you probably were doing a disservice to yourself early in the year. So we don't change a whole lot preparation-wise. We watch our players' bodies, uh, watch out for their their bodies physically and try not to do as much so they're physically ready to play. Because at the end of the year, you're getting drained. Your body's starting to tear, tear down and wear down. So you're trying to keep them as healthy as possible. Um, but you watch about the same amount of film. You have more film to study, so you've got to decipher it a little bit differently. Um, you know, at the end of the day, what ends up happening is there just becomes more pressure on every game because it's the end of the year and you're one game from going home. 
and nobody wants their season to end with anything but lifting the Grey Cup. So the pressure just mounts as the year goes on, and uh, it's those. That's why you want to be in a lot of tight games, which we've been all year. So you know what it's like to face pressure and face adversity. I think we've done all those things this year. So mm-hmm. we couldn't, to me, be in a better position uh, for the playoffs than how we are right now, how we've been built to handle this, I think, because that's what ultimately what changes is that pressure that you feel to win a game. There's nothing like it, and uh, it's what you play the game for. It's the reason you play is to play for these types of moments and to be in the moment every single play, and that's what's great about it. You went uh, with just two weeks on the field last week, two weeks on the field, uh, or two days on the field this week for practice. Uh, we got about a minute left here. You're obviously, as you told me on Friday, I think you said, we, we know how to throw, we know how to run, we know how to catch, we know how to tackle. Yeah, our guys just need to, to be physically ready and prepared. Again, we're playing against a team, SAS. I played at home. They've, they're a day ahead of us, maybe two days ahead of us. Mm-hmm. And really, it's going to come down to us putting together a scheme that our players can learn in two days, which they did a great job last week. But ultimately, they can know all they want but if they're physically not feeling at 100% or as close up 100% as possible that's on us as coaches so we need to get them ready for that and giving them that extra day it's not an extra day it's a day yeah. off of the field possibly but it's just a day to feel more rested so they can go out there and, and do what they're meant to do this time of year rest is a weapon there's no doubt about that jason thanks for this good luck this week thank you now that's the eskimos coaches show for this week we'll talk one week from tonight